This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. I don't think I've recorded an episode of this podcast without encouraging you to consider seeking the support of a therapist. We weren't made to do this work all on our own. In my life, I've turned to therapy for help when I've been stuck in the midst of a challenging transition or simply needing a fresh perspective. And I also know how hard it can be to find the right fit, to find someone who's affordable, or to find someone who fits into your busy schedule. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can be sure to let them know that your faith is important to you. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Best of You today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Best of You. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode of the Best of You podcast where we are in part two of a two-part series on loving your body as a spiritual practice. Before we get started, I want to remind you that I do send out an email newsletter every week with bonus content related to each episode. Almost always when I record one of these episodes, I realize that maybe a phrase or a word came up that didn't get explained clearly enough. So what I do in the weekly email is create some bonus content around some of those topics. So in order to subscribe to that, it's free. It comes out once a week. You go to my website, drallisoncook.com, and you'll see the free newsletter button right there. As my gift to you for signing up, you'll get two free eBooks, one on boundaries and one on comparing ourselves to others, as well as a guided prayer reflection that takes you through those steps that we covered in the boundaries for your soul series. So you'll get those three free gifts when you subscribe to my weekly newsletter. My goal with this podcast, with everything I do, is to provide affordable resources to as many people as possible that brings together the best of what psychology and science are teaching us with Christian faith and practice. So all of this is free for you. That's why we have advertisers on the podcast. For those of you who ask, those advertisers help cover the cost of some of this work. So I appreciate that we have this way of getting these resources out to you. Today, I want to talk about living in a body. It can be hard to live in a body, even a healthy body, even a body that you love, right? Our bodies require our attention. They require work. And frankly, I don't know that many folks, especially women that have a really healthy relationship with their body. There are some, but so often our relationship with our body is fraught, even when we don't have a clinical diagnosis, even when we are, for the most part, maybe even 
relatively healthy physically or medically speaking, we still tend to have a pretty complicated relationship with our body. And here's the thing about these bodies that God gave us. This is going to be sort of a love letter to our bodies in today's podcast episode. Our bodies carry so much. Our bodies carry our pain. They carry our joy. They carry our anger, our rage, our frustration, our tension, our stress. They carry our fragility. They carry our tenderness. They carry all of our bad habits, right? Sometimes we don't treat our bodies very well. We don't feed our bodies very well. We don't move our bodies in the way they need to be moved. And yet they continue to show up for us every single day. Our bodies are amazing. We can neglect them. We cannot treat them right. We can discard them, sideline them, bypass them, as we talked about in last week's episode on spiritual bypassing. We can ignore them, and they still show up for us every single day. Our bodies matter. They help us metabolize our emotions. They help us pray. They help us honor our own limits. They help alert us to danger. They are a critical piece of this holistic life God has given us that includes our mind, our emotions, our spirit, and our bodies. But so often, we disconnect from our bodies. We climb up into the safety of our minds where we can analyze and criticize and stay out of our bodies. But when we do that, we miss out on the beautiful embodied life God wants for us. Now, personally, today's episode hits very close to home because over the last five months, I have been on a journey of learning how to care for my body. I wasn't expecting this process ever since I had a stroke. If you go back and listen to episode 19, I talk about how I had a stroke out of the blue in the fall of 2020 with no known medical conditions. And as a result of having that stroke and a lot of medical tests and not finding anything wrong with me, there was still some mystery around what caused that. Now, prior to that time, I'd never really paid that much attention to my body. I've kind of been someone, to be honest with you, who has taken my body for granted. It's much easier for me to live a life inside my mind. I can sort of crawl up outside of my body and just mentally talk myself out of anything that my body is feeling or bypass my own body, my physical limitations. I've kind of known that I've done that, but up until I had that stroke and some serious medical issues, I didn't really do the things I know I've needed to do to care for my body. Well, fast forward to fall of 2022, and I just started to notice some things that didn't feel quite right. I was tired. It didn't feel like the tired of, oh, I need a good night's sleep. My body wasn't working quite right. And so I decided to go off social media in November. That was what I thought was going to be my big detox. I knew I needed some time away, just some time to step back. That again, social media can be, it has some good things. I've talked about it in the last few weeks. It's how I've met some really neat friends. There's a lot of good about it, but it's very disembodied. It's by nature very addictive. It's just such an easy way, especially at night or especially when we're stressed or we're tired or we're emotionally down or sad or feeling any way that we don't want to feel. It's such an easy way to pick up the phone and look for that dopamine hit, right, from social media. And I had fallen into that habit a little bit. I've had pretty good habits with it in the past, but during this season, I had fallen into that habit a little bit. So I thought, you know, I'm going to just cut that out for a while, get back into some of these good habits. I thought it was going to be a quick fix. 
And it really ended up being much more involved. It literally was just the tip of that iceberg. And I began a journey over the past five months to completely change how I relate to my body. It's been a pretty intense process. I'm still in the middle of it. It's learning how to honor my body as a spiritual practice. And at some point, I'll share more with you what that looked like in my life and how I'm learning to incorporate the care of my body as an act of honoring God, as an act of worship, as an act of living out an embodied faith. It's been surreal. It's been intense. It's changed my life. And today, I want to share with you some of the psychology of why our bodies are so important to our mental and emotional health. And I also want to share with you some theology about why the body matters to God and some of the heresies that we unwittingly fall into when we bypass or sidestep or minimize the importance of our bodies. So I want to start off by talking about the field of somatic psychology, which has done a lot to help us understand the relationship between the body and the mind and the emotions. It's a field of psychology that recognizes the body not just as a physical entity, right? So like over here is our body. We need to eat well. We need to sleep well. We need to exercise all these things that our medical doctors tell us. And then over here is our mind and our spirit and our emotions. And we do other things over here to help stay emotionally healthier, to stay spiritually healthy. Well, what we now know from psychology is those two things are deeply interconnected. And I talk about that a lot in episodes 45 and 46 with Andy Kolber and her new book, Strong Like Water, has a lot of information about that connection. Here are some of the key principles that we have learned from psychology as it relates to the body. Number one, it's the role of the nervous system and how the nervous system is this key part of us that connects the mind, the emotions, the gut, which gets at what we eat, right? What we put into our bodies that literally sends signals all day long back up to our brain, which then influences our emotions, which then influences how we sleep. All of these things are interconnected. Number two, somatic psychology talks about the importance of paying attention to physical sensations that give us information about our external world. So for example, tension in your body is a cue that you're tense, right? And that sounds obvious, but think about it for a minute. If you're going about your day and you're disconnected from your body, and then suddenly you notice that your shoulders are really hunched, that's a cue that you are not only disconnected from your body, but there's something that's bothering you. And so instead of trying to beat yourself up because you're not feeling well or you're kind of in a bad mood or maybe you're lashing out at your kids or maybe you're feeling grumpy or off, what somatic psychology says is notice where the tension is in your body and then maybe roll those shoulders that are tense or maybe shake out those hands or maybe wiggle those toes, right? Or or stretch out those legs. And as you begin to release the tension in your body, start to notice what happens emotionally. And I'm telling you, it'll be surprising. I've been on a deep dive into this journey the last five months. You might notice 
tears start to come. You might notice, I don't want to do that because then I have to face the fact that I'm actually angry, right? So your body is holding that tension or that discomfort or that pain or that emotion on your behalf so that you don't have to consciously feel it. This is what I mean when I say our bodies are amazing, but our bodies also wear out. They need the rest of us to come online. They need us to work with them, not against them. And so as you start to notice where you hold tension in your body or pain in your body, maybe it's pain that comes from a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's pain that comes from stress or tension. It could be either one, but either way, your body's telling you something. Your body might be telling you, I need you to slow down. You're pushing me too hard. And you don't want to face that and you don't want to name that, but your body needs you to pay attention and it's giving you a signal through that pain instead of beating on yourself, which I have done so often, more often than I like to admit and saying, come on, body, let's just get in line. Let's just give you some pseudo comfort by way of sugar, by way of comfort food, by way of a dopamine hit from social media, whatever the thing may be to kind of whip you into shape instead of giving you the real comfort, the real help, the real nourishment you need, body. I'm giving you a fake hit of something that only makes it worse in the long run. How often do we do that to our bodies instead of listening to them when they tell us, I'm tired. I need you to slow down. I need you to move me in a kind and tender way. I need you to provide me with actual nourishment instead of a quick hit. That's not what I need from you my body says, I don't need that quick hit from you. I need real care. A recent survey found that seven in 10 parents get an average of just three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep. And I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code BESTOFYOU for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code BESTOFYOU for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves, Cozy Earth. Number three, what we've learned from somatic psychology and psychiatry is that trauma is stored in the body. Traumatic experiences that don't get metabolized. And what I mean by that is traumatic experiences that don't get witnessed and cared for and where the emotion is allowed to flow through the body in a healthy way that is proportionate to the pain and the stress of the traumatic event, it gets stuck in the body. It's stored there. 
And this can affect not only our physical health, but our emotional health. So we have to learn to work with the body as we heal from trauma that's been stored there. For example, it can be stored through tension. And imagine years and years of storing pain through habitual physical tension. It can be stored in our nervous system where, again, you're kind of constantly living out of that state of fight flight instead of experiencing the homeostasis or the balance of a nervous system that is at rest, that is calm, that is able to be regulated and restored to that home base where the body is restored to where it's not constantly monitoring the environment and living out of a stress response. Trauma can disrupt bodily systems like digestion, like your immune system. There are so many ways that psychiatrists and medical doctors are seeing the impacts of trauma on the ways in which these systems function. And so we have to pay attention to the body sometimes as one method, not only to relieve and alleviate some of the medical issues, but also to begin to tap into some of the emotional pain. This is why trauma-informed work is so important. If you've got a history of trauma, if you've got a history of unhealed pain, to work with a therapist who understands a trauma-informed approach. And finally, somatic psychology has taught us some very clear interventions for how to improve that connection between our mind and our body. Now, again, I always recommend Andy's work on this, both her first book, Try Softer, and her second book, Strong Like Water. She's got some very practical interventions that help you begin to mend that connection between your mind and your body, but simply beginning to pay attention, to take all that energy of your mind that wants to avoid noticing what's happening in your body or bypass what's happening in your body and beginning to pay attention to your body as a spiritual practice. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to walk you through some of the things I've been doing as I've begun to pay attention to my physical body as a spiritual practice. Before we get there, I want to just briefly mention why this is all part of orthodox Christian theology. This is not some woo-woo, new age thing. This idea of somatic psychology, this idea that our minds and our emotions and our spirit are all connected to this body that God gave us. This is as ancient as the days. This is not some new idea. Orthodox Christian theology has always taught that the body is an integral part of the human being. It is not separate from the soul or the spirit. We see this in numerous ways in scriptures. We see in John 14, where Jesus promises the coming of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would dwell within us. We would no longer relate to God only as an external being separate from us, but that the Spirit of God would come to live within our bodies. We see this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, when Paul talks about the body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, often we think about that in terms of morality, in terms of sexuality. That's the context in which Paul is talking. But I would argue that it goes beyond that. And I would say we see it most clearly in the life of Jesus. I mean, how amazing is it that God became a human body 
Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus lived in a body. Here are just some examples from early church fathers and mothers that show that this is not a new idea. St. John of Damascus, a Christian monk from the 8th century, wrote this beautiful phrase about the body, and I love this. He said, the body is the envelope of the soul, which it serves to carry and to manifest. It is also the instrument of the soul, which it uses to affect whatever it desires, right? So it goes both ways, he's saying. The body is the envelope of the soul. It carries the soul. It's such a beautiful love letter to the body, right, that it carries our souls for us. What a, what a gift. What a gift. We couldn't be on this earth without it. What a gift our bodies give to us. And then secondly, it's also the instrument of the soul. So as the mind wills, it acts through the body. And so we work together, all of these parts of us, in harmony with each other. And he goes on to say, therefore, let us cherish the body as the divine workmanship that it is, and let us not defile it with impure thoughts and actions, but rather let us make it a partner in our spiritual life. I love this. And then St. Teresa of Avila, Spanish mystic and Carmelite nun from the 16th century, says this, we are not angels, and our bodies are not separated from our souls. Indeed, our Lord himself has told us that we are not to kill the body, so we must try to make it holy and capable of serving God, so that when it is united with the soul, the two will make a perfect dwelling place for our Lord. So again, it's the body coming together as the envelope of the soul and the two working together in this dance of harmony to both honor God and affect change in this world around us. So we need to honor this body, even as we want this body to help us do the work of honoring our minds, hearts, and souls. I am so excited about Organifi Glow. It's a delicious raspberry lemonade blend that hydrates the skin, moisturizes, and supports your body's natural collagen production and elasticity. Your best complexion starts on the inside. Drink this vegan superfood blend daily to help promote a radiant, refreshed look. Plus, it's rich in antioxidants to fight wrinkle-causing free radicals. Organifi has a ton of delicious Organifi blends you can try. Just add to water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy any time for more energy, nutrition, hormone balance, and peace of mind. They're a great way to jumpstart your morning, energize your afternoon, or nourish your evening in a healthy way without all the sugar. And the best part is that you can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank with a price that works out to less than $3 a day. Head over to www.organifi.com slash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your entire order. That's www.organifi.com slash best of you. When it comes to difficult circumstances, we've all heard the platitudes, no pain, no gain. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But if we spend our lives trying to be the strong one, we become exhausted, burnt out, and disconnected from our truest selves. What if it was different? 
Could there be a different way to be strong? Could strength mean more than pushing on and pushing through pain, bearing every heavy burden on our own? In Strong Like Water, my dear friend, author, and trauma therapist, Andy Kolber, offers a framework for true flourishing. With each page, you'll learn how your nervous system shapes your experience so that we can move through pain instead of being stuck in it. You'll explore various practices, rhythms, and resources to support you in challenging circumstances with compassion and hope. Discover how to internalize connection, love, and safety, empowering you with greater resilience. We were made to be strong like water. Order Strong Like Water now everywhere books are sold. Jesus spoke about the body in several occasions in the Gospels. In Matthew 10, 28, he says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one, meaning the enemy, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, oftentimes this verse can seem as if we're saying the soul is more important right? So better to lose your body because your soul is actually more important. But that's not actually what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that the body is not important. He's saying that the body will end at some point. But we also know from the life of Jesus that his very body was also resurrected. And there are a lot of really smart theologians that have a lot of thoughts on what it means to have a resurrected body. It's complicated and it's mysterious. It's hard to understand, right, what it will be like to be reunited with our bodies for all eternity. You know, you think about the kinds of questions that kids ask, and I love these questions when they say, well, what age will I be, right, when I have the resurrected body? What age will I be? It's hard for us to understand because we are so limited to these finite minds and these finite bodies. It's hard to understand the concept of eternity. But there are a couple things we do know. Jesus lived in a body. Jesus died in a body. And Jesus was resurrected in a body. According to the New Testament, when the disciples first saw Jesus in his resurrected body, it was clearly still his body when they were on the road to Emmaus, when they encountered this man that they didn't quite recognize. So we know he didn't look exactly the same. There was something different. This is Luke 24, 13 through 32. Then it says in John 20, 19 through 23, later that same day, he showed them his wounds, right? So it was the same body, even though it looked a little different to them. He was in a body. And then on the ascension, when he goes up to heaven, his body goes with him. So there is some sense that the body is still a part of the picture, even after Jesus dies and is resurrected which would suggest that our bodies will still be a part of the picture with us, not just for now, but for all of eternity. And in fact, there are several heresies that emerged about the body in those early years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. History talks about a couple of heresies. One is called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, which showed up in those first few centuries, is much more similar to modern New Age spirituality than what I was just describing to you we've learned from somatic psychology right? Gnosticism believed in this idea that the material world, anything physical, including the human body, was inherently corrupt, right? So the goal of the spiritual life was to escape 
from the confines of the physical body and live on this superior spiritual reign where you're sort of above the limits of the body. You can sort of transcend the limits of the body. And I'm telling you, if you spend any time in any sort of new age spirituality, you will hear a lot of this kind of language. And it's very insidious. That could be a whole episode in and of itself to sort of begin to discern some of these Gnostic heresies that are especially prevalent, again, in some of these New Age spiritualities, but that are seeping in to some of our Christian spirituality, too. And I want to underscore this idea that this is not a new idea, this paying attention to the body. Augustine spoke out vehemently against this idea that the material world, that the physical body is evil and corrupt, right? The body was created as part of God's design. When you were created in the image of God and God called you good, that included your physical body. Adam was the first Adam. Jesus is called the second Adam. He came in a body. There's something about our bodies that matter. Now, there's a second heresy that surfaced during this third century in the early, early parts of our Christian church history called Manichaeism. And Manichaeism was dualistic. And what we mean by dualism is that it divided the body from the spirit. And again, not unlike what was going on with Gnosticism, they believed that the human body was inherently evil and that the spirit was inherently good. And so we're sort of in this battle between good and evil. The spirit is good. The body is evil. And the two are fighting and combating. And this is a really subtle when you sometimes hear people talk about the battle between the spirit and the flesh. This is why I don't like to use that language, although I understand theologically that that is a different thing. But when we talk about that battle between the spirit and the flesh, what sometimes makes me squirm a little bit and I don't like it is it's we do not mean that there's a battle between our spirit and our literal body. When we talk about the battle between the spirit and the flesh, by the flesh, we mean the sinful part of us, the sinful nature. We do not mean the physical body, right? was often confused by that. Even though I knew a lot of this stuff intellectually, I studied Augustine quite a bit in college and in my doctoral program, there was a part of me that had kind of taken up this insidious idea that essentially the body is inferior. The spirit is more important. We really need to focus on the spirit. It was a little part of me that I wouldn't have claimed. It was very subtle, very insidious, but man, was it wreaking some havoc in my life that I've had to undo. When we talk about, again, the battle between the flesh and the spirit, we do not mean our literal bodies. The flesh is just the part of us that continues to be our imperfect human nature. It continues to be where we carry woundedness, where we continue to sometimes want to go our own way, away from following Jesus, away from following God. It's not our physical bodies. Again, Augustine, who was a Manichaean himself before he converted, spoke out vehemently against this idea that the body is inherently evil and that we should escape it. He argued for the goodness of the physical world, including the human body that God created. Remember that God called you good before sin entered in. God called us good as human bodies. And then there was a third heresy called docetism, which denied the actual humanity of Jesus. Jesus only appeared to have a physical body, but in reality, he was really spiritual, which again is a heresy. 
And we may be like, no, we don't believe that. We know that Jesus had a body. You know, he bled. He died. He did all these things that we did. But it's really important that Jesus had a body. It's really important because it shows us that the body, this envelope of the soul matters. It matters as much as our mind and our emotions matter. It is the container for all that God gave us and created good. We may not like our bodies. We may not like caring for our bodies, and we may bypass our bodies without even realizing it, as I have done, in the name of a sort of superior spirituality. But this is not what God wants. Learning to honor your body, learning to live in your body, learning to care for your body is a deeply important part of your spiritual practice. It's not only good for your physical health, it's how we honor the God who made us mind, emotions, body, and spirit. So how do we love our bodies as a form of spiritual practice? I am going to be honest with you today. I am a newbie at this. You know, there was a time I could have probably waxed on about this from a purely intellectual standpoint without really understanding it in my own day-to-day practices. And I'm just so aware of how human we all are that I would rather be honest with you about that than pretend Otherwise, I am a newbie at this, and it all kind of started for me last November when I went off social media. Now, I've been off for about five months, and as I mentioned, that was the tip of the iceberg. It launched a whole journey into the depths of paying attention to my body at the cellular lived experience level. And I'm nowhere near done yet. I am barely beginning, but I am starting to build trust with myself again to the point where I'm very gingerly taking baby steps to see if I can integrate what I have learned about paying attention to my nervous system, paying attention to what my body actually needs in the moment versus the pseudo-dopamine hit that I would rely on in the past. I am practicing now and fumbling, kind of uncomfortable, like riding a bucking bronco ways. What I've learned these last five months, bringing that into my life when, to use that ever so helpful acronym HALT, whether I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? Because that's when we're most vulnerable to doing these things that our bodies don't actually want or need What I want to share with you are just some very basic practices that I'm leaning into right now to ensure that I care for this beautiful of all beautiful gifts that I do not always think is beautiful, but I am learning to cherish body that God has given us. Number one, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is remind myself I have a body. I have a body. I am not a walking mind. I am not a walking task machine. I am not a walking caretaker of other people. First and foremost, when my feet hit that floor, I have a body. And I say it to myself as a way of saying to God, God, I have a body this morning. That body needs things from me. And the best way I can honor you right now is to check in with that body. Is that body hungry? I cannot tell you 
how many years of my life I have skipped breakfast. I do not give my body breakfast. I give everybody else in my life breakfast, but I got things to do. I got to get going. I got thoughts to get down. I got work to do. And then, you know, somewhere around the middle of the morning, I'm like, I'm starving. I didn't feed my body. So this is a radical new practice for me to hit the ground in the morning and go, I have a body. What does that body need? This is a spiritual practice. This changed everything for me. This is not, I need to go right into my prayer life. This is God, I am honoring you first thing this morning by checking in with this body you've given me. This is not separate from my spiritual life. Is my body hurting? Is it sore? Did I get sleep? Does it need food? What food does it need? And then a process of what does my body want to eat first thing in the morning? What is healthy for it? Not just grabbing a fistful of something and calling that food or nourishment. This takes time. This takes attentiveness. This takes attunement. There are lots of parts of me that do not like this. I want to jump right into the work. I want to jump right into the caretaking of others. It takes space away from instantly jumping into caring for other people to say, I first need to care for my own body. This is hard for us as women. And it's so basic and it is so not basic. Number two, when throughout the day I notice myself reaching for those seemingly innocent go-to pick-me-ups, pausing, and it's not just about inhibiting an impulse, right, or a compulsivity to reach for a phone or reach for a sugary snack or whatever it is, whatever the food is, whatever the thing is in that moment that feels good that we all know isn't actually what we need in that moment. It's more importantly, what is my body saying right now? A lot of times in my case, it's, oh my goodness, I have not literally moved my body from my computer for three hours. That is not only not healthy for my circulation, right, for a body that has literally had a clot that turned into a stroke. So it's not only that, it's my body wants to move. And then I'm learning, what does my body want? Because again, it's not willing control over the body from the mind, which is how I have perceived it in the past, which is I should exercise. I should now take a walk around the block. It's, hey, body, what do you want to do? And my body often wants to do kind of have some fun. It's like I've been sitting here holding you up for two hours. kind of want to move around. I want to stretch. Sometimes my body wants to dance, wants to put on some music, and wants to do a little five-minute shakedown, get out the tension, get out the anxiety, get out the frustration. It's been really fun to realize that my body kind of likes little mini solo dance parties throughout the day. Just shake it out. Rowena talked about this in episode 44 on anger when she talked about in her family when her kids are getting angry, they shake it out and have a little anger dance party and just get the frustration out, put on some music. This has been really interesting for me to notice throughout the day that so often when I'm unconsciously reaching for something, the real need is that my body needs some attention. It needs to move. It needs to stretch. It needs to work out or metabolize some emotion that I'm having. Other things that my body likes, stretching, taking a walk when it's sunny outside. I'll look out the window and I'll just notice this longing in my body to just go be out in the sun with the dogs, kind of running around the yard, playing with them, throwing the ball, 
having some fun out in the sun. My body really likes that. Sometimes it wants a hot shower. Sometimes it wants to go to the gym where it can just kind of bake out, sweat out some of what it's been feeling. Breathing. You know, again, not just because my psychologist brain has told me, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to take deep breaths. No, actually feeling in my body what it feels like to slow down my breathing, release some of that tension. This takes time. It's like a body timeout. Another thing that's been really fun is to think about kids. What do kids do? If you think about children, watch your children, how they're wriggling and moving and dancing and tussling and wrestling and on the ground and and they're throwing their head back in laughter or they're pounding their fist or their head on the table because they're so upset. They physicalize all that emotion. And so kind of reminding myself, what did I do as a kid? And remembering some of that in my body to let the body get some of that out, not just for the purpose of, okay, then I can do my work better or then I'll be healthy or then I'll have checked the box of being a healthier person. No, because there's joy in it. There's joy in honoring this long suffering body that I have frankly taken for granted and have not treated very well throughout my life. I thought a lot about David. And I'll be honest, when I think about David, I cannot help but think about that beautiful scene of Kevin Bacon's in the original Footloose movie. I went back and watched that scene because it's just so etched in my memory. And I'll link to it in the show notes because he talks about all three scriptures that I often think about when I think about this movement of the body as a form of worship, as a form of honoring God. And I'm going to close today by reading these scriptures to you. 2 Samuel 6, so David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. I've heard that verse my whole life. But only now have I begun to glimpse and taste what it feels like to dance before the Lord. Not always in joy, sometimes in anger, sometimes in sorrow, but that physical action of honoring God with my whole body. Ecclesiastes 3, again, I've read this one before, but I love it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And then Psalm 149, let Israel rejoice in their maker, let the people of Zion be glad in their king, let them praise his name with dancing, and make music to him with timbrel and harp. There's so much to this spiritual life that we have. There's so much joy in it. There's so much yet to be discovered. I have been doing this work a long time, and there are some areas of this journey of healing that I am such a newbie, and it means that life is never boring. It is always an adventure. I'm learning how to dance and how to move my body as a spiritual practice. 
before the Lord. And I pray for you on this day that you too will begin to love this body God has given you as a form of spiritual practice. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.